Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. HBCU Pride. I believe in HBCU culture and I believe in HBCU sports. This is what our show is about. HBCU Pride with Tim McCain and Derek Hall. We just have a few comments. So this, I'm Derek Hall. This is Tim McCain. We host. I believe HCU podcast on Believe Network. Um, I'm pretty sure Coach Williams told you the gist about it. Um, we decided to, you know, do this show, just apply pressure to everybody to know that HBCUs are still living and still going today. We want to bring more coverage to that on a daily basis. Exactly. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm with it. Love it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then, um, Coach Wheatley, I wanted to also dive into, like, um, your story as well. You know, being one of the most storied high school and collegiate athletes of all time, is that is that okay if I bring it in and we kind of like tell your story as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that special, but let's let's ride. (laughs) (laughs) It's special from the stuff that I read. (laughs) I mean, that's just incredible. Some of the stuff you did. I mean, the amount of work that you had to do. I mean, just to reach your level. Not everybody can do what you did in high school and college. No, not, not very few people did what you did. I, you know, here, here's, here's the deal. I beg to differ, all right? Um, I'm from a small town in Michigan, man. And um, it's uh, like any it's a small town. It's called a suburb, but it's just an inner city, you know. It, 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 it's guys, man, that was walking up and down the street that, on any given day, can take me, you know, basketball, football, running track. It didn't make a difference. I think what the difference between, the, you know, myself and them is, like you said, the work ethic. Mm, right. Um, my dividends were delayed, meaning the money that they were getting, you know, selling dope, you know, hanging out on the corner, the fulfillment that they were getting was so instant that they couldn't see going to the gym, working out. They couldn't see. I remember I used to get teased. They used to call me ball boy because every time you saw me, I had a ball in my hand. Wow. You know? Wow. So, you know, I remember, you know, the girls, like, you know, man, you, you know, we wear the same three pair of jeans. <laughs> um, you know, I my boyfriend is this, my but I, I and my comeback was, but baby girl, you live next door to me. You you, you see what I'm saying? You can say whatever you want to say about me, but you live next door to me. Wow. Um, And I just never got caught. I never got caught up into that material, that fast paced stuff, man. So, you know, we all kind of quote unquote when we make it, when we get to the point, I never forget. I said, I'm going to buy a Rolex. I never forget. I bought the Rolex. I maybe won that Rolex five times. So to me, it's it's we all have something, man, and we just got to be willing to put the work into it to get to where you want to go, you know. So, like I say, for me, I don't. And when I tell you this, and people think I'm crazy, right? I was a ten four hundred meter guy in high school. Like people, you may not know track times, but ten four that's pretty damn fast. Yeah, I can name about four or five guys that could put a cigarette out, put it down on the ground, and whoop my ass, and put pick their cigarette up put it in their mouth and walk off. Hmm. That's how talented these dudes are. One of my best friends, 
is the high is the head coach of the Harlem Globetrotters. Stayed just on the other route, just around the block from me. Brother had a 48-inch vertical. Do any dunk you can name of. It's about four or five guys just walking the street and do just what he did. Mm. So when I tell people these stories, they look at me and be like, man, you crazy, you lying. No, I'm not. I'm just, you, you see what I'm saying? So the thing for me was, it's not, my grandmother told me this. Life is simple but that don't make it easy. Okay. And so what she meant by that was you can do whatever the hell you want to do. It's, it's, it's simple. Just somebody has done it before. Somebody has laid the ground rule. All you got to do is just follow it. She says, so if I wanted to give you a pound cake, I'm going to give you the instructions. And when I give you the instructions, it's simple to follow. So she said, that's life. Everybody got instructions, just follow it. Just follow it. So do you think that's what made your story different? Like that your dedication probably came from your upbringing. Some of the, the stories and the lessons that you learned from your parents or your grandparents, correct? Most of my grand, most of my grand, both of my grandmothers. Both my, uh, both of my grandmothers. My mother um, had me when she was 16. My father was um, shot and killed, murdered when I was two years old. Um, right around there, man, my mom, serious, serious drug addiction. Okay. Um, so I, I live with my mom. I mean, I live with my grandmother, then my brother and sister and, and my main focal point was making sure they was okay. Right. But I couldn't, I, it got to the point where I couldn't take care of them until I truly took care of myself. My sister's a dentist hygienist. My brother has his master's degree. He's a um, supervisor of one of the largest uh, food markets in Michigan right now. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. But what's so, amazing. What I'm, I guess what I'm saying is it's, it's really not so amazing because you know what? I kept, excuse me for saying it, I kept my foot in their ass. And what you got to do, I think, I think what separates a lot of people is the drive. Like, yo, I'm, I'm good at level three. Knowing that level five is way better if you keep going is that arm's length. It's right there, you know. And, and, and the crazy part that they don't realize is the, the longer you stay at level three, you will end up putting in more work. Mm. Right. <laughs> You'll put in more work. Because right. guess what? It's so many people at level three. And level three becomes so competitive. Right. It just becomes so competitive. Um, you know, so that's 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 my story. I'm sticking to it, man. Yeah, so, so is that what you told your sons? Because you have two sons who played at a, at the collegiate level. One currently is at the collegiate level, and then one, you Tyron Whitley Jr. And then he just he's working. Yeah, he's working on his masters. Uh, he he was hit with the COVID right. um, nineteen deal, so he missed the pro day. So he's waiting on a call. And then I have another son who's at Virginia Tech, um, playing running back right now. He, unfortunately, he had hamstring surgery, so he's recovering from that. I have five kids all together. Wow. Running back runs in the family. I, I, I remember, right, in the end of the sidetrack, right, I always play man. I get the Raiders. Like, I got to put 47 in the backfield <laughs> because I, I know I can go all because I'm going to run the ball on Matt and I ain't going to stop the run. <laughs> so I got to have 47 in the backfield. As, as with all guys feel like though they, they, they got snubbed on the Madden deal was, <laughs> I think I got snubbed in Madden on the speed. So i never forget I saw the guy. The, one of the programmers at a, at, a, um, at a convention, 
And I walked over to him, and he looked at me. He was like, what's your beef? I said, you gave me a 78 in speed? Whoa. He's like, he's like, but we gave you a 99 in breaking tackles. What's that mean? <laughs> he was like, I can't give you any higher speed and a 99 in tackles. You'll be damn near impossible to stop. I said, dude, I'm, fi- I'm faster than a 78. But, you know, man, it's um, it was a, it was a blast, man, in those days. It was a blast. What was right. um, what was one of your most memorable moments um, as a professional athlete? I, 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 my most memorable moment, really truly, um, has nothing to really do with the actual sport itself. Um, my actual two of them. One was when I was with the Giants. Are you talking about professional or just overall? It can be professional overall. Well, I'll, I'll give you my two professionally, and then um, my best moment overall is in high school. Um, so New York Giants, man, um, wasn't having a real good year. Um, got injured, injured my ankle. Um, I'm sidelined, so I wasn't having a real good year. And a, a young lady by the name of Angela Melalakis was our uh, PR part department and, and – um, she basically was signing us up with um, civic duties around, around town. And I'll never forget, man. Um, so I started doing outreach programs. And, and this kind of ties in with what's going on today. This, you know, and we, we understand our plight as black people uh, with the police officers and with everything that's going on. But this truly, this, this truly gave me an insight into what I needed to see happen. So I was living in New Jersey instead of New York. And I had, you know, I bought me a, a red truck and I'm driving home. I'll never forget, I'm driving home. It's late at night. And I was pulled over by a female police officer. Mm. And, um, and I asked her, I said, is everything okay? And she was like, I have your license and registration. So I give her everything. And um, next thing I know, another police car pulls up. And I said, ma'am, is there, you know, is everything okay? And she was like, so you live down the street? I said, yeah. So she asked me, she said, so when did you get this truck? I said, pardon me? She said, when did you get this truck? I've never seen this truck before. I said, um, you, so you know every road, you know, so you know every car that drives up and down Darlington Avenue. <laughs> and she looked at me, with, as a matter of fact, and said, yes, I do. So when did you get this truck? I said, ma'am, I live right down the street. I've been here. She said, I see on your ID where you live. And I asked you a question. Police officer gets out, other police officer gets out, so he can tell she's getting riled up. So the first thing popped in my mind, man, was it's my responsibility to freaking go home alive. So I told her, you know, I just told her, man, and, and I, I felt, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, I felt like a straight, you know what I mean, when I got right. You know, I felt like I just got punked. And, and, and my heart rate, I'm, I'm racing, and I'm like, what the hell is this for? So back to Angela, she put me in touch with some new NYPD guys, and I would do ride-alongs with them. Mm. And so I'm asking them all these questions, and I get a chance to hear their side of the story. I get a chance to see their side. And um, it was very beneficial for me. And I had a chance to do some work with those guys, man. And really, really tell them from a young black male's perspective um, where I'm coming from, how they can help and how they can do things. So for me, that was real huge, man. I think, and being able to be, you know, a young, successful at that point in time, sports guy in, in New York to help some police officers you see what I'm saying? To me, that was huge, man. Uh, um, so 
and you know, on my wall, I have a plaque that they gave me, and that still sits and stands on my on my wall, man. Um, that was that was huge for me. And then, of course, not going to high school, the biggest sports moments winning winning uh, my high school's first and only state championship in football. That was, I mean, that's always because for that one right there, man, that galvanized our community. Mm-hmm. Um, to bring our community together, brother, and, and, and to see everybody hanging out. I mean, hell, I think we party for like four days. You thought we won the Super Bowl, man. <laughs> you know. So I, I guess we can take you back to high school. So what went your decision to choose Michigan over, I say, Ohio State? Because that's always a rivalry in itself. I wasn't leaving the state of Michigan. I wasn't leaving. Um, and to be honest with you, I, was, I wasn't a Michigan fan. I was a Michigan State fan. Mm. Okay. I grew up liking Michigan State. It's because of Magic Johnson? Magic Johnson's one of them. Um, Blake, you know, you, you talk about all the running backs at Michigan State, man. They had a gang of Michigan State. But here's the deal. All right, so growing up in Michigan, you know, of course you got to choose one or the other. Right. So a lot of people from my neighborhood, because Michigan State – Michigan is a state school. It's not private. It's a state school. But my point is – not many of us was at Michigan. Right. Feel me? And, right. if you were, and if you was at Michigan, you you know, you had the great Puponish type attitude going on. Right. Right. It just did Michigan, the guys who was able to go on and go forth and go to college and go to that next level, either went to Eastern Michigan or Michigan State. So it was I, I vibed better with Michigan State. It was just Ooh. that vibe, the culture of when I went on Michigan State campus, I felt comfortable. When I went on Michigan campus, I felt uncomfortable. You, I just felt out of place. You, you know what I mean? And so what ended up happening was, long story short, I w- my first official visit, I went on Michigan State. I went to Michigan State, and I was going to commit that visit. Once again, my grandmother. <laughs> grandmother <laughs> said, uh, I'm not feeling this. And I was pissed. I mean, I'm hot. I'm like, Come on, Grandma, not right now. I don't need this. Right. I, I really don't need this. She said, baby, it's your decision. You do what you want to do. But I'm not feeling this. Pissed off. I'm not going to lie to you. But as it's, it's Grandma, so I had to go in the bathroom, as they say, go fix your face. I mean, I had to go in the bathroom, fix my face, fix myself, gain my composure, come back out. Didn't commit. I go past... I go about four or five weeks, go on some other visits just to take visits. And um, Michigan popped up, man. We started a conversation. We started talking. And at this point in time, Bo wasn't the head coach. It was Gary Moeller who was the head coach. And um, um, a guy by the name of Jim Herman became my recruiter. And so Jim Herman came to the house one night. My grandmother wasn't in the room. She overheard the conversation. She's like, babe, I think you need to get him a get him a really good list and I said why 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 Michigan why Michigan and not Michigan State she said something that was very very important to me she said listen everybody know you can run the dang on football everybody know you can run jump and do all this other stuff she was like these people want to make an investment in you as a person as a person she said they're the only people who did their homework on you in their background and knew your shortcomings. And so my grandma, you know, we talking and she was like, baby, everybody don't really know who you are. 
And back then, like all of us, we had to grow. Back then, man, I was uh, I was rough around the edges, brother. I mean, I came with a lot of attitude, um, a lot of anger, a lot of hate, you know, um, and any other adjective you can describe a young black male from the inner city. I came with that. And um, other schools who recruited me didn't really understand that. So my grandmother said, baby, just look at all these boys that's going to these schools. They there for a year or two and they butts back home. So we had a park down the street from our house. It was a basketball court, man. And like a lot of, that's where we say all our legends go to die. We call it Penn Park University because mm -hmm. all the great basketball players will go to school for a year or two, come home, and they're at that park. And she said, baby, you're going to be at the park with the other guys. You go to another school. She said, but if you go to Michigan, this man told you your background for a reason. He understands that they're, you're coming with some issues. You're coming with some problems. And they're going to help you through it. And, um, you know, we recruited each other a little bit more, man, and ended up Michigan becoming, became the place for me. Huh? Amazing. That's amazing. So my question to you is, I did some research on you. You won a total of nine state championships, both in track and field and football. So what was your experience dominating in both sports? And um, which one was your favorite in high school? Track was my favorite because it was an individual sport. I didn't really have to rely on nobody but myself, right? Um, but once again, like I say, even though we won a state championship in football, man, it was, it was real – I think that was the most pleasurable and enjoying because it was with other guys and everybody, but track was my favorite sport mm. because there's, there's, there's nothing no one can say about anything. Or man, you know, your quarterback was better than my quarterback or, you know, man, we had a guy that if, if my running back didn't drop the ball or fumble the ball, we would have won that game. Mm. Track is none of that. Track is okay, brother, you line up, I line up. Let's go. <laughs> It's it's no excuses, right? It's 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 no excuses. It is what it is. It's um it's probably to me it's one of the rawest forms of competition that's out there. Um, you know, and it's just my opinion. You can say whatever you want to say, but at the end of the day, when you talk about the goat of goats in in, in, in athletics, you know, we can debate about LeBron James and Michael Jordan and all, you know, but when you look at the track and field the times and gold medals, those things matter. Wow. Hands down. Yeah. I, I feel like those matter. So, getting drafted, first round, what's that feeling like? like is it like a sigh of relief? Is it just – No, because now – because that now – ain't sigh of relief, man. That's – that's work Work is now started. Right. Like whatever you think, whatever you think you've done to that point to get drafted, you can scratch all that. You wow. might as well just take everything you've done from 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 Pop Warner High School to college. You might as well put all that in the bag, tie it up, and throw that stuff away, and start hmm. all over again. Because you can't live on that. Because now you're dealing with money. Yeah, you're you're digging into people. Those pockets now. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Because yeah. now all of a sudden you got a guy, Rodney Hamptons, who's been to a Pro Bowl. I, they're bringing this young guy in. I'm here to make, you know, take his money. 
Now you're no longer a quote unquote person. You're a product. Mm. You're, you're a product. You're basically exchanged on the stock market. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, like anything else, your stock rises. But hell, and as we see in sports today, no matter how high your stock rise, you still can get sold off. Wow. Did mm. you know that from the beginning? Because like you sat out 17 days for your for your rookie signing bonus. You weren't gonna you weren't gonna sign. You sat out for 17 days, correct? Sat out 17 days and ran in a track meet. Wow. <laughs> ran in a track meet. Because here's so this, like I say, that was a blessing and a curse. Hugh Douglas was picked with the 16th pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. And back then, they was even still trying to say, well, I was a big running back. I was a straightforward guy that pounded my life group span and all this stuff. So they were still going to try and short me on my money. And I said, listen, Hugh Douglas is a defensive end. Nope. You know, nothing bad to say about him, but how in the world is my money that far off from him and we're one draft pick away? Well, you're a running back. I don't care what I am. Mm. You know, so I remember Nike gave me the opportunity to go run into the um, the um, American – Golden West meet, which is basically the uh, American championships. And nobody gave me a chance in hell to do anything in that track meet. I played seventh in that track meet. Wow. Hmm. Of the, of, so in that, in that day, I said I was the seventh best hurdler in the United States. And I hadn't ran track in almost three months. That's pretty huge. That is huge. Yeah, that is huge. So, but my point was, and I'm always, and you want to hear me reference my grandmother a lot, God rest her soul, man. But she always told me, she said, you, people don't give you opportunities. You create opportunities. That's a fact. That's a fact. You know, and he used to make her so upset when she was like, well, I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity. And I'm like, why are you so upset? She's like, they didn't give you that opportunity. You created it. You created that opportunity. And she said, every opportunity you, you create, now you create options. She says, so you don't want to sell for opportunity. You want options. Mm. And so what I was doing at that point in time, I was giving myself an option. Because what people didn't know at that point was Nike was ready to sign me to a contract to run track. So if my mm. football career didn't take off, I was ready to sign a contract with Nike to go run track. Mm. It worked out both ways. <laughs> both ways. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like I remember you more as a Raider and a giant. So I have to ask about the tuck rule game. <laughs> so I have to ask. It's a fumble. It was a fumble, man. <laughs> it was a fumble. It looked like a fumble. Come on now. It was a fumble. Oh, man. That, it was a fumble. That lifted Tom Brady's career to new height. You heard it? Listen, it was a fumble. And then they wait, what, 15 years later to change the rule? Right. 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 So, so, Coach, so um, you speak on your grandmother a lot. One of the quotes that you said was, she said was, you can set your sails, but you can't set the wind. What, is, what does that mean to you? Basically, life, life, life is going to go on, right? You can't stop the clock. You, there's nothing you can do, right, to change it. You like, she's, but it was, was, you know, you can't, you can't change the wind, but you can set your sails. So what that means is as time moves and as things are moving, hell, you better be moving. 
you better be going, right? So don't never sit there and say, and her biggest thing was, you know, I can say this, and, and, and I, know, I don't want nobody to say, well, you got, well, yeah, I got my ass blazed growing up, okay? Her thing was just, you know, I don't, just because times are different don't mean, you know, I'm not, that's, another, that's another podcast. <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> but, my point is, but my point is, she, I never, when I told her, and this is, this is how the whole, you know, you can set yourselves, but you can't change the wind, right? This is how this all started. I remember, I never forget, I told her one day, I said, Grandma, I'm bored. She turned around and she popped me, and I was like, whoa. She's like, it's grass, dishes, floor, need to be mopped, swept, cut, and, and you ain't doing too great in your English. So you, and you bored? <laughs> then she sat me down and she said, boy, it is so much you can do to get your butt going. And you're going to sit here and say you bored? Mm. She said, you know how many people misses opportunities because they sitting down. That's when she said, open your sail and catch the wind. I said, but what if it's taking me in a direction I don't want to go? She said, if you're going in a direction you don't want to go, you still can learn something. You still can learn something. You still can grow. Wow. And that's where it kind of came from. And that's where I kind of took it. And from that point on, man, I never, I never looked back. Man, that's, that's incredible. So, so how, where did the coaching passion come from? And when did you decide I was going to coach? Is it like, as your career is ending, like I need to find something to do, or was it just always naturally there? Always naturally there. All right, and um, the reason why for the long pause, this 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 part for me gets kind of a little emotional. Uh, so I'm trying to gather myself. No matter whatever, every time I think about it, I just kind of get. Um, as I told you, man, I was I was a. I was a little rockhead, man. You know, I was mm. uh, I was a rockhead, man. I was uh, shipped to Natchez, Mississippi as a kid and went down to Natchez, <laughs> and they called me the Michigan Tornado. <laughs> then they shipped me back to Michigan. And um, I was just – if there was a fight to look – to get into, I was looking for it. I mean, I didn't turn out any fights. Uh, like, when I say I was just a troubled, angry kid, man, and um, – my uncles and this police officer kind of teamed up to say, you know, we we got to get him, we we got to get him into something real quick, real soon, or else the police officer said, man, or else, you know, the worst can be said for this young man, right? Uh -huh. Sign me up for the football team, Inkster Raiders. All right, I want you uh -huh. to follow. I'm gonna follow. Let me follow this story, man. Sign me up for the Inkster Raiders. I was 10 years old, um, weighed 126 pounds at 10 years old. So I was too big to play with my age group. So I had to play like three or four years up. Wow. And I'm playing with some pretty big boys, older boys. And I, I grew up. I grew up fast, right? Because, man, take your young butt down where you need to be. Don't nobody know you. So, And right then and there, two coaches – my boys, love these dudes to death, man. Coach Dobbins and Coach Jones. Coach Jones came over to me and said, you know what, man? First of all, you out here in gym shoes. We call them gym shoes back in Michigan. Everybody be like, what is a gym shoe? We call them gym shoes, sneakers, right? <laughs> yeah. He said, first of all, you out here in gym shoes. We told you you needed cleats. 
right? And I was like, I don't have any. So Coach Jones kind of looked at me and was like, okay, in this area, everybody's not going to have them. So he goes to his car, brings me back a pair of cleats, right? He's like, boy, you're lucky. You're size 13. Once again, I'm 10 in a size 13, my man. I'm tripping, right? <laughs> so he said, you're lucky. You got some big feet. Here you go. Give me some shoes. And so we're going. And Dobbins was like, you can run. I said, yeah, I can run. Started me at quarterback. So hmm. I was playing quarterback on the varsity team when I should have been on JV. And didn't really make any friends because I took the guy who had been the guy for about a year or so, I took his job. And um, all the older guys wanted, you know, wanted a piece of me. And so I would go to practice every day. And I'll never forget, they kind of – I felt like Dobbins and Jones was putting me in a lion's den, man. Like, why are you putting me in this den? You know these dudes don't like me, but you, you're putting me in a position for them to hurt me. Dobbins looked at me and said, you really think that, huh? He said, your mind is that weak, too. That's where you went to? He said, you're not the guy I thought you were. So he gave old boy the quarterback, gave him back the job. I quit. Mm -hmm. Walked home, quit. Thinking somebody was going to come to the door, none of that. Man, luck as you have it. Two days passed, I see Jones and his son at the park. And I said, what's up, Jones? How you doing? He was like, how you doing? kind of like wrote me off, not even – I ain't going to lie to you. I was kind of pissed off. And he said, son, let me tell you something. You good, but you're not that good. He said, I can, I can go find 15 of you. Mm. He said, what have you done to make me want you? Wow. What have you done to separate yourself? And then he turned around and turned his back on me like I wasn't even there. Mm. I'm not going to lie to you. Pissed me off, right? Go to practice the next day. Knew I had to start from the bottom. Guess where they put me at? They played <laughs> – I went from playing quarterback, they moved me to defensive tackle and tight end. Wow. So I had to earn my stripes all over again, man, and play my butt off. And after that whole deal, them two guys, man, were there for me from, from start to finish. I can call them about anything. And so I go to high school. Um, well, really didn't go to high – I dropped out of high – I dropped out of – junior high school, um, I dropped out in uh, seventh grade for about two years. They were very instrumental in getting me back into school, right? And so when you talk about why did I want to coach was because a lot of kids in my area, those men are really the only men that we have in our lives. Right. Right. Sorry, like, Coach. Let it out. No, no, you good. I'm good, man. Like I said, it don't make a difference how many times I tell the story. Um, because I knew the path that I was going on. You know what I'm saying? I knew where I was going. Um, because it was the old saying was, I'm happy to make it to 18. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm happy to make it to 18. And um, for them to help me get back into to school, I knew right then and there I wanted to be a coach. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to be a coach. Hands down. Wanted to be a coach. So um, it, when, I, when I was retiring, I actually had three years left on my contract with the Oakland Raiders. Had three years left on my contract. 
went upstairs to Al Davis to tell him to say, listen, I'm retiring. He looked at me and said, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I'm retiring, Al. <laughs> and um, he said, I need you. I said, Al, I'm done. Because I was, I was more excited to get my life started, right, right. on the other side as I was to be a coach. And so my plan was, this was my plan. Honest to goodness, true. This was my plan. To go back and coach my high school and track in football, go back to the University of Michigan and coach foot, coach track to coach an Olympian. I went to coach an Olympian. Then to go back to University of Michigan as the head football coach and then coach in the NFL. So <clears throat> my first thing was I went back to Robichaud, went back to my high school to coach at my high school, both track and football, um, which was, to me, probably one of the greatest moments in my life, in my life, right? It was um, – it was incredible, not only from the standpoint of just being back home, being back at the neighborhood, but the locker room still smelled the same. Um, the nostalgia of it all just came back to you. And I'm looking at a young me, you know. I'm looking at my community. And, and, and those kids who kind of had some of the same issues I had, I was able to put my arm around them. I was able to help guide them through it. Um, and that was, to me, I think that was the most – incredible thing for me to, you know, give those kids as opposed to teaching them football. You, you know, coach, the one thing that I, that I'm just listening to you, I just want to say thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, because amazing, you know what I mean? Like, first off, we need that in our communities because there's a, there's a lot of single parent homes that don't have that male influence. So I just want to congratulate you for, you know, uh, and honor you for helping young black men um, excel in life and in, in sports. Um, so you're the head coach at Morgan State. You've had years of coaching experience. Um, you're recruiting for uh, young talent, new talent. What, what are you telling um, a young kid or their parents or their parent about why they should choose Morgan State? Well, the first thing I tell them is it's not going to be an easy transition. Um, it's going to be hard, but you're going to have somebody there that's going to help you. Um, I've walked almost every mile you can walk in in your shoe. You know, if you had a rough upbringing, I've been there, done that, right? Um, I tell the kids all the time, I tell the start kids, the young man, I tell them all the time, if you had a great upbringing, I don't really know that path, but my kids do. So <laughs> I'll, rely, I'll, I'll talk to them about that. But one of the biggest things for me is football is a byproduct. You know, and what I mean by that is you're going to play football. If you're lucky, you're, you're, you're lucky to get five years, right? But you're going to be a man, a husband, a pillar of your community far longer than you will be a football player, right? So at, through football, I'm really implanting life lessons. I'm really sending out troops and warriors back into the community that's going to do great and that's going to do well. If you get the football, it's a cherry on top. It's a cherry on top, right? And so some young men get a little, you know, sidestep when they talk about, well, coach, I want to go to the NFL. I want you to go to the NFL, right? I want you to go to the NFL. So I did a project with one of my sons one day. So I said, look at our subdivision, man. I said, how many homes are in this subdivision? My son said, maybe 200. 
I said, I want you to go knock on 20 doors and take a survey of who and what lives in this neighborhood. <clears throat> he got a little embarrassed. He said, you want me to do what? I said, yeah, just take a survey. Knocked on the door, and I can't remember the numbers offhand, but it kind of went like this. I, he maybe met two, two doctors, three lawyers. He met a couple of um, account managers and all that stuff. I said, so how many athletes did you meet? How many NFL players did you meet? I didn't meet any. How many doctors? Well, two. How many lawyers? Three. How many people who dealt with money? Shoot, that's what majority of the people dealt with. I say, so isn't that something you should basically concentrate in and concentrate on? Hmm. Because if the number because if the numbers suggest that there there are no I'm the only athlete in the subdivision. Hmm. Right? And right. it goes back to my grandmother. Create opportunity to create options, right? If you go to school, you bust your butt, you get into a master's program, because here's the deal. So many athletes, and I call it, I call it the hamburger at a Ruth Chris theory. And people always ask me, what the hell is that? If you go to Ruth Chris, are you asking for a hamburger? No, you ain't. You're, you're, asking for, even, you're getting the best thing they can have. Give me that tomahawk, boy, right? Yeah. What happened is these young men come to college asking for a damn hamburger. Mm. Mm. You ain't paying for it. You, you are paying for it through your, work, through your blood, sweat, and tears. But the monetary aspect of it isn't coming from home. Mm. So if I'm going to college, and, and, and I'm and I'm basically, you know, bargaining my blood, sweat, and tears for a scholarship. I'm not going to get the less item on the on the board, man. I'm going to get the best, I, you know, the best degree I can get, or something I truly want to go into that I believe in. That's going to help me propel me for my future, and not put all my eggs in one damn basket. I've already created the opportunity to get into school. Now I want options. Mm. So and that's why I try to tell these people, I'm going to. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That's more I'm, than anything. I'm, I'm, I'm help paying for their master's degree. <laughs> You know, the, some of the guys on the team at one point got a little upset because I raised the team GPA to a 2.7. I said, unless you have a 2.7. And I wanted to go through a, to a 3.0, but the, the AD told me I couldn't uh, because he said, because now, you know, some other legalities of it all. But, and he asked me, why do you want to raise it to a 3.0? I say, certain majors that you go into at Morgan to get into a master's program, some of them you need a 2.5 to get in. But the majority of them need a 3.0. But here's what a lot of people don't realize is, yeah, it says a 3.0, but now if that curve is set and the lowest transcript that comes in is a 3.4, guess what the doggone uh, thing is to get in now? A 3.4. Right. So, so for sometimes, sometimes our young men look at the bare minimum of what it is to get in. And I don't teach bare minimum. Don't teach bare minimum. I used to hate when my grandmother used to say, I got to work twice as hard to beat out, you know, our Caucasian counterpart. I hated that. So what I've done in my head was to flip it and say, I'm going to do the best that I can while I can get what I can. All right. right. 
So no. that's, that's the whole thing I preach with these young men. So to answer your question in short is you're getting full service here at Morgan. You're going to get a great education. You're going to get a great mentor, not only on the football field, but in life. And here's the next deal. It's not mine. I heard it, but I loved it. It was a catchy-ass phrase, and I love it, and I use it. Your network is your network. Ooh, I like that. Mm. And so once you come in contact with me, I'm like a tweet. Once you come in contact with me, your network expands by thousands just by knowing me and knowing my coaching staff. Because we're going to, we're going to require you to get a, an internship, right? We're going right. to require you to go out into the public and go out to meet people, right? Meet people in businesses. We're going to require you. We just had a, a resume writing seminar just the other day. We're going to require you to sit down at Christmas and write Christmas cards to business people and not asking them for anything, but saying, hey, I'm a, student at, I'm a student athlete at Morgan State. How can I help you? Because those people of power, people in position, they get hit up every single day. Yeah. But how do you separate yourself by now saying, sir, how can I help you? Different approach, different look, right? right. So, like I tell them, we all know, shoot, I give them game inside the game. <laughs> so, right. You, you kind of asked my answer my next question about the process of you picking your coaches and how what's the process you pick when you pick your coaches to come join you at Morgan State? They got to be developers, got to be developers. Any coach can open up the play, and this is one of the things I didn't like as I was playing in college and in pros. Man, listen, I can open up the playbook and look at what you're telling me, tell me some stuff that. I can't get out of a playbook. Show me some things that I can't get just by walking down the street. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, help me, man. Give me, give me some nuggets. Give me some tools in my belt that I can't get on my own, right? And so that's one of my biggest things for picking the coaches. I tell my coaches, this is just not coaching football. It's more than that. It's bigger than that, right? I put a lot on my coaches. I'm hard on my coaches. My coaches have a lot of responsibilities. Um, so, they, A, they have to be able to deal with that. But then, B, they got to be developers, not only just football coaching developers. If your player doesn't get better, because I tell my coaches, I say it's either the coaches, the environment, or the player. So, I don't want my coach saying, oh, coach, he can't play. No, he can play. You just can't coach. Mm. I don't so heard that. I don't heard that, that opposite a lot of times. <laughs> you know, don't don't tell me the player can't play. Find something he can do to get him on that field. Now, if we exhaust that, okay, then it's the player, or is it the environment? Right. So my coaches got to be great developers. They got to be able to go on that field and take and take a C and make them a hard B plus. Right. Yeah. You got to take a young Tyrone Wheatley who was. Rough around the edges and smooth them edges out yes. when well, he ain't cutting, folks. Right? right. Make him palatable, make him palatable to now put him into the public where he can go speak in front of people. Mm. Right? So that's what I expect of my coaches. Wow. That's that that's a lot, man. I, I think we we need more. Uh, I, I wish we had more time, uh, Coach Wheatley, because I think what you're doing is incredible. Uh, I think 
they're going to make a story about you. They're going to be, you know, Coach Carter, you're going to be the new Coach <laughs> Carter. I'm telling you, just from what I hear from you, just the energy and the passion, I just, I just can't wait to see just the exciting things you do at Morgan State. I'm telling you guys, Morgan State, they're, they're next. They're next. You, but you're right. Like, you, you know, uh, we saw all this press about Dion. I said, yo, Dion's a pioneer, but, like, yo, we got Tyron Wheatley doing the same thing at Morgan State. His name just not as big as primetime, but he doing the same thing at an HBCU. Like, we need to show him more love. And I said, Tim, we have to get him on the show because he doing it. He doing it right now. It's going to take prime a year because he's not playing this year to really be on the sideline, get get players in that Tyron Wheatley doing it now. Well, let me tell you something. I, I call him on. I call Dion on. I call him on, right? The one thing about D and so somebody else asked me that question. I said, listen, man, <laughs> when you shine a candle, it illuminates on me too, right? <laughs> it illuminates on not only myself, it goes to Howard University, it goes to all the HBCUs. And I'm proud to have Dion in here, right? Um, and I think everybody has their own way of doing it, you know? Right. Everybody has their own way of doing it, you know? Um, it's the reason why Prime is called Prime, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a reason why. Um, but when I was out in Oakland, it was the reason why they called me to train. Like, listen, my, I'm more on the ground. Let's go. And not saying Dion isn't. Dion has done some incredible things at his high school coaching. He's, he's done a lot in, uh, philanthropically. Um, just, just truly incredible. And like I tell people, you know, my, my light shines as bright as it needs to shine because I'm attracting what I need to attract, right? So um, my, man, my man JC used to say it all the time, brother, what you eat don't make me poop, right? Right. And, and, but at the same time, I have to concentrate on what I'm doing here. But Dion coming, he coming to HBCU has shined the light on all of us. You know, he has shined the light on all of us. And I can't wait to see him truly just open it up and, 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 and blast off. Yes, because sir. as he blasts off, okay, as, as that propulsion goes, it radiates upon us as well. Um, and, and you have to understand where you are and who you are, right? No. You know, like you say, prime is – that's prime, right? Right. But at the same time, I have to get mine how I get mine and be ready. Here's the biggest thing. People don't realize this. When the time comes to, to basically profit and benefit from it, you can't miss that. Op- you can't miss that, right? You can't miss it. So I'm just laying the groundwork and doing my due diligence so when it does pop open, here we are. Yes, but my major reason and my major concern is, yes, I do want to win championships. I do want to win championships. But, and however, when I see my boys, I keep calling them boys, but when I see my young men 20, 25 years later, and they are out there making policy changes, mm. you know what I'm saying? Marching is cool. That's great. You know what I'm saying? Protesting is cool. That's great. But I want to put people in position to make changes, policy changes. Oh, you got a problem? What's the policy? Boom, let's get that changed. That's what I want to put people in a position of, power. I want to empower people, right? So we're going to win some championships, but 
I want to win in life, man. I want to win. Do I want to win in life? I want to put guys in a position where their family families are great. You know what I'm saying? Where now, like people always ask me about what's your APR rate, man. I'm so done with the APR rate. They said, well, what are you worried about? I'm placing dudes in jobs. My job placement rate now is going through the roof. We had five seniors graduate last year. Four of them got jobs. And one has already got a promotion. He's been promoted already, been on the job six months. So I'm past the APR rate. I'm about job placement, right? So that's what I'm. That's where I'm at, man. That's, that's where I'm at. I want to be able to, in all honesty, I want to be able to create a network where you call me and you say, man, I got a young brother who need a job. Good dude. He just need an opportunity. I pick up the phone. I call somebody else. Job done. Year or two later, this young brother's in a position. Now I can pick the phone up with him and say, yo, I got a young brother. Say less. Send him up. Each one teach one. We keep it moving. That's what I want to do. And that's that's my ultimate goal, man, with this football. This is my pulpit. This is my platform. Yeah. This is how I want to do it. Yes, sir. Well, Coach, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate you, Coach. It's a blessing to have you, Coach. It was a great. I had a good time. Thank you. I had a good time. We appreciate you, Coach. All right. Take it easy. Peace. All right.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.